This podcast has bad words. Hello, and welcome to the Shut Your News Hole podcast. Today we have a special episode for you. Zach interviews his brother Max to talk about his experiences with opioid addiction. We hope you enjoy it. I'm here with my brother Max, and the reason is because we are going to talk about the uh, opioid epidemic. And uh, the reason my brother is here is because he is well positioned to talk about the opioid epidemic because he was a drug addict for a very long time. Max, um, I am a drug addict still. So. Oh, okay, yeah, I've heard that alcoholics sometimes say that they're still an alcoholic. So I'm what's the reason behind alcoholic. that? I know, but alcohol is a drug. But I'm what's the rationale behind saying I'm a drug addict, even though you're not using? Because I have an addicted per. I mean, I guess my idea is I have an addictive personality, so um, I'm just not actively using. But as soon as I do start using something, I probably would be using it every day again. Right. At least that's my rationale of why they say I'm just not an I'm just not an active drug user right, right. now. Right. But I am a heroin addict. Yeah, and yeah, I see what you mean. Um. Okay. So. People out here don't know. How old are you now? Uh, 30. Right. I think about that for a second. <laughs> I know. I Sometimes I forget. I'm like, am I 46 or 45? Anyway, so Max and I, we come from a very normal middle class family. Um, there was nothing um, difficult in our childhood. We have very good parents. There was never any neglect or beating or things like that. So we don't come from a broken home in any way. Um, I have another sibling who's two and a half years younger than me, and then Max, and well, we all have a, a, a younger sister. My parents basically just had like two sets of kids. I don't know why, but they did. Anyway, um, so Max, when, you know, I'm not going to lie, when I was younger, I, you know, in maybe my senior year of high school, experimented with marijuana. I did it in college. I think it's safe to say maybe our other people in our family have done that too. Um, but when did you start, and why? I started smoking weed or cannabis. I like to call it cannabis okay. from my time in Humboldt growing marijuana. Uh, cannabis. I started smoking cannabis when I was um, like fourteen or fifteen. Okay. And like right away, it was every day, like almost instantly. I would say it took like a, a month or two till it developed into like a every day at lunchtime, every day after wow. school. And then into more. By the time I was a freshman in high school, it was an everyday thing, and that's for sure. So. And was this something that a lot of people were doing, or was it just a few of the kids? Just a few of my friends, you know. Right. What, I mean, we didn't tell a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Were, what made you want to do it? Were you afraid to do it, or just curious, or was it peer pressure? I was just curious. That's okay. how I started doing every drug. I was just curious. Mm-hmm. I wanted to experiment. So... You know, you didn't have the best grades when you were in school. I mean, how much do you think then? I don't know. Some people can smoke marijuana and study, but it seems to me it would be very difficult to focus on school if you get high at lunch. I mean, would you say, how much would you say the drugs had to do with some of the um, poor grades? Well, it's just never at school. I guess that's difficult to have good grades. When I, I mean, I left like short high school. And I went to my new school in downtown Milwaukee, mm-hmm. um, MPS school. I mean, I had like 182 detentions or something like that from just never being there. That doesn't make sense. They detain you 
for not going. Well, they gave you detention. Oh, detention, you have to stay later. I was thinking of suspension. Sorry. No, no, no. detention. Yeah, Yeah. I would have loved a suspension. Yeah, that would be like, thank you. I never Um, got suspended. So, can you just go through, then, the progression of your drug use? Uh, So, I was smoking weed every day, and then, um, on, like, I remember it was, like, my birthday. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before my birthday, okay, so... I was a freshman and I was smoking weed every day, and then I think my freshman year I started dabbling with mushrooms, mm-hmm. and then after that started taking LSD. Remember that was my favorite. I was taking a lot of LSD when I was about sixteen. Wow. Um, and and <laughs> he's taking a nap. Okay. So our, our dad's here. Yeah. Um. How were you able to hide it from mom and dad, or from? Other people or teachers or, um, or do you think they knew that you were high at times? I don't know. I think I'm a pretty good actor. But, uh, but like, I don't know. No one. I mean, I got caught every now and then, but mm-hmm. it's only because they smelled it, not because like I was acting right. high. Um, you know, when I'd go to school, I was just I was always kind of like quiet. You okay. Know? Um, I, I mean, I joked around it was loud, but when I was stoned, I just made, right. went out of my way to not do stuff, you know, obviously I wasn't really taking the heavy drugs and going to school, you know, mm-hmm. I think around sophomore year, you know, we'd be snorting Adderall every now and then, or taking that at lunch and coming in, and I mean, it was just like, oh, just a lot of drug use. Um, so, when did you move on to, like, the hard stuff, if we assume that, you know, hallucinogenics aren't the hard stuff? Um, so like, maybe about 16, 17-ish, started messing around with Oxycontin, Okay. Um, millennials wouldn't know, or some millennials would know what OxyContin is. No, I think a lot of people wanted. do. No, a lot of people do because that a lot of people are saying that that's the primary, one of the primary reasons of the opioid epidemic is because OxyContin and other opioids have been um, primarily so much that they were all over the place, and people who didn't intend to even get addicted ended up getting addicted. So this stuff was all over the place and easy to get. Well, well actually, so I remember the first time I took painkillers actually i think i was a so- i was a sophomore and i was in art class and one of my friends older brothers who was like a star basketball player broke his wrist and they gave him a uh, vicodin and he gave mm-hmm. me a couple right he wasn't gonna take them so that was the first time uh and i took like, hey, opiates feels nice. yeah i haven't thought about that in a while yeah it did feel great and mm-hmm. then um you know i was doing cocaine too and stuff i, I was i was pretty so heavily addicted to cocaine my now that's an expensive super- drug how were you affording it in high school? I was selling drugs. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I had a job. I always had a job. Right. Yeah, you always worked. And but then, um... What um, was it about Coke that you liked? I didn't like Coke. Then why were you doing it a lot? Because it's cocaine. <laughs> okay, I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, No one likes cocaine. They just do cocaine. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> I know, you just have to be a Coke addict to understand it. <laughs> I hate this stuff. <laughs> Is that another line? <laughs> but, um, you know, I, uh, so then, uh, but when I got into the stuff that really, like, brought me to, like, full-fledged, like, addiction and really, really ruined my life, like, that other stuff was, like, you know, causing some emotional problems, like, you know, I would take a lot of ecstasy and that would make me depressed, cocaine would make me depressed, Right. I'd be up for, like, a night or two straight, and then, like, this and that, I never was that big of a drinker, to be honest, it just, yeah. I just, I liked the harder stuff, mm-hmm. uh, pretty quick on, and then I would do the Oxycontins, that, that was always, you know, then I got introduced, in, introduced to Oxycontin, like Xanax and pills like that, right. and I liked that, I don't know why I liked that, I think I liked the whole idea of it, like, being incognito, 
incognito, you know, like the, just these little pills to carry around. Right, right, right. Like There's M&M. no smoke. Yeah, and yeah. And that. I could go to the bathroom and sniff a little bit and then right. come back and, like, no one knows I'm, like, and I'm mm-hmm. just, like, in this, you know, in this, like, warm bubble and yeah. whatever. It was, it was, it was nice. Um, Who doesn't like a warm bubble? <laughs> so I, I got pretty quickly addicted to that stuff. Now, how did you know you were addicted? I know that's a dumb question, but... Well, no, no, no it's not, actually, because I, I didn't, like, the consequences of drug use never really seemed to make sense to me. Like, I never noticed it. I remember when I was in high school, like, 16 or 17, I was taking a lot of ecstasy, and then I stopped, and I got okay. really depressed. And then, right. like, a year or two later, I, I realized why I got really depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, just, like, with the... the yeah, oxy- it messes with the serotonin yeah. dip and, yeah, all that and, and I And I realized that, like, later on, and then it's just, like, with the Oxycontin, like, I remember, like... I got a bunch of them for real cheap, right? Mm-hmm. And I was doing them, and that's when I became super heavy, heavily addicted to it. But and what at what point did you know you're addicted? Like you stopped I doing stopped. it, and then you stopped. I wouldn't have it, and I would just be like, wake up in the morning, and I'd be like, I'm gonna go about my business, and then I realize I'm feeling like sick, feel like I have the flu, and it took me like a week, and then I realize like, and then I would like, then my guy would call me, and I'd go get my oxycontin, or I'd do an oxycontin that I had from earlier, and. Mm-hmm. And I'd feel better. And then it took me like a few days to realize like, <laughs> right. oh, like this is what... I'm not coming down with yeah, the flu. I'm, yeah, I'm like, physically this is, addicted. Yeah, this is what happened. And so I kept doing more. Mm-hmm. And it, right, because of course then you're, you're, you're able to do more just to... I mean, they say it, some, some addicts have to just take heroin or whatever it is just to feel normal. Well, that, even really that got to a point it. where it wasn't about like getting high and nodding off and... Right. And stuff. It was literally about like how I need to do enough where I will not be sick. I can go to my job, make enough right. money to afford. It's just like this vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. A lot of people I talk to, they're like, at the end of my using, I was shooting three grams of heroin, blah blah. Right. Mine, like, I was like in there, right? I was doing this for years, but like my at the end of my use, it wasn't about getting high. It was about functioning. It wasn't right. about enjoying it anymore. It was about can I wake literally up and live my life on your back? Yeah. Um. So. When do, so from what I understand, the reason people use, they usually start with pills. Pills are more expensive, and that's when the heroin comes in because it's cheaper, correct? Yes. And then maybe at first you snort, but then eventually well, so needles. I or... I got into heroin into inventory. So I tried heroin a few times, like when I was eighteen, nineteen in Milwaukee, and mm-hmm. uh, it was shit back then. It wasn't good. You know, people were doing oxycontin. You knew what you were getting. It was pharmaceutical. It, I mean, it's right. government approved heroin. Exactly. And um. And, uh, so I moved out to Colorado to try to get off of, uh, fucking opiates. Mm-hmm. I mean, and school. But for me, a big part of it was, like, this is a way to, like, geographically change where I'm living and, right. uh, and not be on Oxycontin. And for, like, a year or two, it worked. I got out there. I still was partying. You know, I was in school. I did pretty decent in school. Mm-hmm. I was smoking weed all the time, of course, because I'm living in Denver. I, you know. Uh, yeah. What can you do? You have yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. I'm living with a bunch of other potheads. You know, I was taking Xanax every now and then and, and going out and on the weekends and taking a bunch of acid or doing cocaine. Like, I was still partying, but it was, like, it wasn't to the point where, like, you know, it was rec- very recreational. recreational. Yeah. Right. And I and I didn't, like, it wasn't, like, you know, like that, that like, stuck up in my room, like, not talking to anyone. Mm-hmm. And then I moved out on my own. And I uh, had some health issues, if you remember. I came back because I had a seizure. Right. Um. And right around that time is when. And I, do you think the seizures might have been drug induced? Yeah, I think they were from not taking you enough benzo. I think it was oh, from okay. not taking benzos. One hundred percent. I was prescribed at the time to a heavy amount of uh, clonopin. Okay. That I manipulated the doctor into giving me. 
The guy was like 80 years old, 85. He, I don't even think he could. It was, <laughs> I still remember his name, Dr. Skolton. But, um, so, uh, yeah, he looked like a geriatric patient. But, um, we, uh, we, uh, when, uh, I came home and I was dabbling with Oxycontin, I'd go back and, uh, I remember I had this, like, stoop on my front porch of Denver and when I was living in downtown Denver, like, right outside of downtown Denver, and I saw this scuzzy-looking guy, and I saw him for a couple days and in And you realized you were looking in a mirror. <laughs> no. Oh. I was, I saw this guy, um, walking around, and I'd be sitting out there with my dog, and, uh, it was, like, the third day in a row I saw him, and he would, like, jump out of this car, and I, I know what's going on, you know, and I'm just, and so I just said to him, like, well, what, what are you getting? Like, what is, What do you got? Right. And he's like, you know, I got some heroin or whatever. You know, they call it code. And, like, I got black or boy. That's what they call it. But, it, I mean, he told me he had heroin. I said, oh, you want to come inside and share some? And right. He was like, yeah, okay. And he, and he came in. And he's just like, he was, like, homeless. But he's not, like, a homeless homeless person. You know what I mean? He's like, there's, like, I think there's this generation now of homeless people. But they're called, they're, like, like trans surfers. Yeah, but they're, like, they want to be homeless. Like, they probably come from good, like, train hoppers. Like, you know, they could always right. go back home to their parents' house. Yeah. But they want to be, I call them gutter punks. Okay. And, like, they want to be homeless. In this case, he was a heroin addict. But, like, he had places to go. He didn't have the homeless mentality. He wasn't right. there shaking a can for money or, right. or doing stuff. He was, he was just like, I'm homeless because I do heroin. And I do heroin because I'm homeless. Like, and, and it, but it wasn't like, oh, the stock market crashed and I lost all my money. Right. Type homeless. Or my business went under. Right, he just never... Yeah, he just moved out from Baltimore right. to uh, Denver because it's warm outside and he could sleep on... Like, I don't know how he got out there, but something like that. Yeah. So he was actually a nice guy. Uh, and he, he came he came into my house and, like, you know, say what you want about drug addicts and this and that, but, like, mm -hmm. some of these people are, like, good people. Like, this guy... So I started having seizures around this time, and he came right. in to my house, and, and he's just like, you know, like, do you mind if... He asked politely, do you mind if I shoot up in here? And I said... Yeah, man, I want to try it. I never tried it at that point. I'm like 22, 21, 22 years old. Mm -hmm. And he uh, he did it for me, right? And then, um, you know, I walked and got cigarettes with him. Like, we hung out for a little bit. And then he, like, disappeared and he left, right? Mm -hmm. He didn't steal from me. He didn't rob from me. Everything was cool. I saw him again the next day. He knocked on my door. He said, hey, I can get more. You want I was like, yeah, let's do it. Mm -hmm. um, the second time I did it, I had a seizure, wow. right? Is that I had when a you seizure. busted your tooth? No, that was like later on in the day when I went to the hospital. Oh, yeah, that's what I meant. It was like so, the same yeah, same day. So, so I had a seizure and I and I woke up and I was like, I'm like, am I okay? And he's like, no, man, you had a seizure. But like, I, I remember like I I say this kid's a good kid because like he didn't rob me, he right. didn't like steal from he didn't steal from me, he, he didn't, didn't wake he, up he didn't, with a bleeding yeah, butthole. Like he right. was there, he called the police for me, and then he disappeared. Well, like, right, he's gonna get out of there. Yeah, and he's gonna get out of there. Well, I think there's a misunderstanding. You know, people think you know drugs are bad, and and a lot of anyone who does that use, is bad. right, but that's not the case. Often, a lot of people that get hooked are yeah. good people. Um, so how long then? So then, so my point being the story is, I didn't have yeah. the connection to Denver for a long time, and then I met this kid. And then I met, like, another kid through him. This kid, it was weird. This kid was, like, a genius. Had a degree in, like, uh, chemistry from all these good schools. But he's just, it just showed he was drugs. Meth, cool. Man. Yeah, he couldn't make LSD, he used to say. But <laughs> he did. He had a degree, actually, from Madison and then Portland, uh, Oregon, from University of Portland. But he was, like, a doorman at this venue in uh, Colorado. And he was just a junkie. And he couldn't get, like, his shit together. And he spoke fluent Spanish, so he talked to all the drug dealers around there. And <laughs> one day, like, I, like, you know, was at a con I was at a show, you know, because I wasn't too into it. I was doing it every now and then at this point. Right. And he knew that I was injecting it? 
every now and then, or I'd smoke it, because, you know, injecting was still a little scary. Yeah. And then, uh, he, uh, me and him, one day, he, like, just hooked me up. He's like, I'm going out of town, you can call these guys if you want. You know, and then, from there, it was off to the races. Uh, wow. From there, I was just picking it up every day. And then you were just became junkie. Yeah, then from there, it was I was just, you know. I know I, eventually you made your way back to Wisconsin. How many different times did you try to go into some type of rehab? Because I know mom and dad tried to, you know, put you in stuff. I don't know, like, I went to IOP a few times, got kicked out of that twice, uh, or left. I went to Nova. Would you go in there thinking, I really want to kick this, or were you doing it because you kind of had to? Kind of had to. Also, like, how can I manipulate these doctors into giving me, like, pills? Which happened pretty often. Hmm. Interesting. Um, Well, it was, so, like, when I went there, like, the idea of Suboxone was new. They didn't... People don't realize, like, oh, if you give anti-anxiety medicines with Suboxone, that's going to be almost just as a good high as fucking heroin. So, like, they didn't realize this stuff. So I'm just like, all right, like, I can get legally medicated. Like, maybe I don't have to go waste my money. Maybe I can get him to give me this. Right. And then they're giving me Suboxone, and then, like, there's my high for the day, and I can Mm -hmm. just go through fucking life like that. Um, So one of the things I've noticed, though, about that, yeah, you've talked about withdrawal, but it always seems to me that, like, the way it's been described in books I've read, like, it's this horrible, horrible thing. You made it seem like, all right, it was, like, kind of flu, it's annoying. And, and even in your recovery, you've never really harped much on the withdrawal. Would you say there was also a, a component of, a psychological component, too? Um, as much as there people, was I think physical? different people withdraw. I've heard about, so, and maybe it was the amount of heroin I was doing. Maybe in the grand scheme of things, I wasn't doing as much. I mean, I was okay. using every day. I was right. injecting at least 20 to $40 of heroin every day. On and off for a long time. But right. I know people who were doing, like, you know, they'd stay in their wars so they're doing five grams of heroin a day. Imagine a gram is at least $100. $500 of heroin a day. Yeah. That's, you know, that's enough to kill a lot gonna, of people. Yeah, but they have such a high tolerance, so once they stop, like, they say their withdrawal is, like, they're puking and their right. diarrhea. I never got that. Like, I got, my back hurt a lot. I had a right. fatigue, headache would hurt. Well, that's good but then. But I'm pretty resilient. I mean, it's hard for me to throw up. I never really threw up doing much stuff, you know. I'm always, like... So maybe it's my body chemistry that I didn't get as sick as others. I mean, I got sick. Don't get me wrong. I'd be laid up for four or five days. Right, right. Um, um, but I think a lot of it is psychological, which okay. was your question. I think because a lot of it is... your lifestyle, kind of. Yeah. And did well, it become kind of your identity? Yeah, but there's days but like... But what you... kind of identity is that? I mean, were you, were you in any way proud of the identity or completely ashamed by it or was... I just want to get high. Okay. There's a junkie. You didn't care. Okay. Yeah. So another thing that I've thought about when people do kick and eventually you did kick the habit and you've been clean for how many years now? Uh, it will be three years on April 29th, 2019. Right. So I got sober on April 29th, 2016. Okay. And so I would assume that before that though, a lot of the people that you knew and hung out with were also drug users. Like um, what, what happens when you stop using drugs like that? You probably can't continue to hang out with those guys or girls or whatever. Well, so for my, like, addiction, when I came back from, uh, where was I? I think, so I came back from Colorado. I went through a bunch of treatments. One of the treatments sent me out to Arizona. Uh-huh. Uh, when I came back from Arizona, I was, I had, like, one using buddy, this, mm-hmm. like, girl. Um, I had one, me and her would use, but Billy, it was just like, you got 20 bucks? Okay, let's go score. Mm-hmm. I got 20 bucks. Your guy can get it. Let's go so score. So you didn't have to necessarily change your social life. Too much. Well, yeah, I did. I Although you probably become friends with the people that you're in the yeah, substance right. abuse house with. I, I stopped hanging out with a lot of these. Do you ever I hear from any out. of them now? No. Well, 
I mean, it's it's just which time in my life. Like, I had a lot of my friends that I went through high school with and, like, went to all the concerts with, you know, because we mm-hmm. like to see a lot of music and travel around right. for that, you like know. Like all those lame bands, right. Like Fish and Grateful Dead, which are not lame. <laughs> no, that's fine. Go on. Fucking, sorry, it's not Judas Priest. Um, But uh, we, uh, so, yeah, a lot of them got into stuff. You know, I got one good buddy. He's out mm-hmm. there right now. He's going to die. I got pro- a couple buddies that are probably going to die soon. You know, I hate to say it, but that Do they know the- they're going to die? That's another question uh, I want I had is is because at one point you OD'd when you were staying at our parents' house two times you t- you, okay two times but the one time it's not, when you were at our parents' house from what I understand you were gonna be a goner if so, mom and dad well, weren't like, there so that one was but, not a but, heroin overdose that was right, a fentanyl overdose fentanyl but it's it's still an, an opioid yeah. but my point is is that I wrote you off as dead okay so what I'm asking is. Did you write yourself off as dead? Do you think that when you say you have friends who are probably going to die, remember at our sister's wedding, think, you got a call and somebody you knew died from heroin overdose. Yeah, a good friend so you guys, I knew since I was a child. Do people know that they're going to die or does everybody think it won't happen to them? No, people know they're going to die. Deep down in wow. the back of their head, they have to know. I didn't think I was going to make it to my 30th birthday. Sure, yeah, I, I, didn't I made think that you were page on Facebook that said I didn't have a plan for this. What am I going to oh, do? Right, I'm going to have to right. wing it, you know? Right. I mean, I'm doing all right. Yeah, yeah. But. Um, so, I guess another question I've had is, and you've been clean for three years, but, you know, Almost we hear about years. this. We don't front time in 12-step programs. Okay. Sorry, dude. I don't know. Um, but you hear stuff about how the government, the Trump administration is going to have a program. And I'm just wondering, during the years that you were addicted or – even now, of people that you know who are addicted, are th- is there any more help coming from the state level or the government level that nowadays than there was before, or is there any change? I mean, everybody I mean, says it's I, a crisis, but what is really being done? I don't know. I'm not lucky. All I know is like, I'm like, look, I go to, I go to twelve step meetings, AA, HA, things like that. I'm not trying to endorse it. That's not our idea, but that's what I did to get sober. And for me, those are free things. I go there, and mm-hmm. you know, I. It's my choice if I want to donate donate to the Seventh Tradition Basket or this or that, but like that's what I did. Nothing, no institute got me sober other than a sober living provided by who is now a good friend of mine whose house it was. It was right. not a government ran thing. Um, it wasn't. It was not a government ran okay. thing, you know. And now he has a treatment center that he opened up, right. you know, with investors, and it's they take private insurance. Right. Um, you know, they can't for some reason they can't take the state insurance. So I don't really know. No, about that's fine. All I was just curious if. If maybe you did. I don't know what the answer. I don't know the answer. I, I don't know. I don't know um, so much what Trump is doing or not doing. I would assume it's what he's not doing than what he is doing. So. Um, was there any? What, what made you finally kick the habit after trying so many times? What was it? Was there any particular thing? Well, so I was telling Dad this earlier, and I've told people this before. Like, so when I went into like sober living, like I got you know kicked out of mom and dad's house for like the eight hundred time, and mm-hmm. they were actually serious this time, and I knew they were, and mm-hmm. I had other places I could have gone, like I could have went and used and stayed at some fucking house, you know this and that, like mm-hmm. it's whatever. But I decided to go to the sober living. But when I got in there, I was like, I'm going to like take advantage of all these people. I'm gonna like make friends. I'm gonna like find some like dope sick girlfriend, like really mm-hmm. just fucked up shit. We're like. She have a lot of money, and, you know, we'll go stay in her apartment that her parents pay for and get high, you know? Like, that that was my, like, idea. I'm just going to take advantage of the right. system. And then, like, I, like, got into, like, what I was doing. Again, I do 12 steps programs, mm-hmm. um, and I stayed sober. I just, like, so got just, into it. Like, I just, it, it worked for me. You bought into the 
what they were selling. Not selling I, literally, but you, you I wouldn't say bought in. Like right. I, I what? I take what I need from the twelve step programs and I leave what I don't. Some people are very like it's you have to follow this book like right. the gospel and I think it's I mean, let's be honest, like should you follow the Bible the way it is? And it's three thousand years old or whatever? No, that's ridiculous. Should you follow a book that was written in nineteen thirty eight the way it is to the T you have to basically I take what helps apply me it, right. to my life, right. and I leave it. You know, there's so I mean, this is getting into the po- politics of a twelve-step right. program, which I'm not going to get into. Right, because I know there's some issues of where you're supposed to put faith in God. Well, what happens if you don't believe in God? Or well, there's know. a whole chapter in the Big Book of AA called uh, oh. "We Agnostics." Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, do you ever worry that you'll use again? I'm not worried, but I don't say I would never because I don't know. Like I like know what I have to do to stay. Clean and sober. What do you think? No, I think I think use again. What kind of a situation? I don't think there is a situation that could make me use again, other than just like straight up like me deciding I want to get high. Like there's there's no excuse. Like oh like you know family member or friend passes away. Like that's not an excuse to go get high. If anything, that would be dishonoring their name because they want me to be sober. You know or fucking. The last time I truly thought about getting high was when Donald Trump was elected president. <laughs> like, I, and that's not even a joke. Like, I did remember talking to someone. But I was also, like, six months into my sobriety at that time. Right. Five, four or five months, something like that. But, um, I mean, there's... I don't really think of any logical reason I would get high. Every now and then, me and my friends joke around, joke around about doomsday scenario where... I would go get a shotgun and lock myself up in the pharmacy and oh, do right, pills right. that zombies are that's attacking. Zombies are attacking. Yeah, exactly. But then like anything it, goes. In, yeah, <laughs> right. In realistic, like anything, like there's nothing that can make me like want to mm-hmm. get high other than just like my own self will. So, making it quick because time schedule. But what was what would be your just biggest regret over the fact that of your drug use over the years? Um. I don't know. I, actually, I was talking to someone was saying something the other day how like they wouldn't like, like yeah, there's some things I regret, but at the same time, I don't fucking regret anything I did. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, yeah, I regret like stealing here and there from mom and dad, but like they can pay themselves back twenty dollars, you know. <laughs> they, <laughs> like, you know, I didn't like fucking kill anyone. Right. You know, I right, didn't. Right. You never I, hurt anybody. And yeah, you didn't I didn't do any cause the crime. demise of someone's bank account. You or did whatever. sell drugs to people though, who then yeah that. That's yeah, but it was a very small, home. small amount of people. Like, I knew, like, I never was selling heroin. Like, I knew what that could right. be. Too. I sold weed and, like, oh, okay. like fucking, that was mainly what I sold. Right. Yeah, I was doing the hard drugs. But I so, sold. this might seem like a weird question, but would you say that you could identify anything positive about this experience now that you're well, yeah, out of it and looking back at it? That's what I was kind of saying is, so, like, I don't regret really anything except for the small little things because, or like. the time you gave head because you were. <laughs> that's going to get edited. Yeah, <laughs> and that's not a real thing. If it doesn't, it didn't happen. happen. It's a joke. I'm teasing him. Um, I I don't regret it because it led me to like where I'm at now. Like I fucking I have so many great stories, you know, like that I like you can't make up. Like that I love right. telling my friends or telling people. Like I've had a very I think fun life, you know. Like people don't get to say like I went from like being a suburban kid to going to a right. ghetto school downtown well, to living in Denver to growing you, marijuana into humble. You did get a bird's eye humble. view into a. Very different type of world yeah. went that around, most people don't see and went, many don't get out of. Yeah, I went around the country seeing music. I hung out in the ghettos doing drugs, you know, right. like all in a lot of different cities. I, I mm-hmm. lived in, you know, Arizona in the mountains there and in Phoenix. And like, I just got to do a lot of cool things that like I 
like, that some were drug-related, some were not drug-related, but, like, I like the stories that I have, and it's made me the person I am now, and I'm just happy I made it out alive, so now I can right. enjoy that. And I also think of it, I'm happy I got into the drugs I got into at a young age, because I see these kids now, like, I like being 30 and wanting to go to bed at 10.30 to go have a work day. I see kids now who, like, they did everything the right way, and they go to school for four years, and now they're, like, becoming alcoholics at 28 and 29, and they don't know what to do, and, like, mm-hmm. they or they already got married, and, like, to, I don't know. It just, for me, what I did worked out fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, well, except for the whole hepatitis C, but that got cleared up, so. Hep C. They make it sound cool. Yeah, right. Hep C. AFib. Whatever. Well, I don't think AFib you get from shooting hair. No, I know. That's the heart valve thing or whatever. But anyway. Dad has it. Oh, really? I don't know. Seems like everybody's he got no. black psoriasis these days, <laughs> judging from the commercials I see. Um, well, I don't know. I don't really have any other questions. I mean, do you have any advice for anybody who might be listening to this and has a loved one who is addicted or who is addicted themselves? What would you tell them? Well, you know, that is something I've noticed. Everyone is affected by the opiate epidemic. I don't care who you are. Someone has a friend, brother, sister, yeah. aunt, uncle, parent. Like I said, I wrote kid. you off for dead. Yeah. And we didn't have much of a relationship. No, know? we didn't. Still don't. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wanted to go see Bohemian Rhapsody. You're the one who didn't get around to it. I did. Anyway, I went on. with my girlfriend. Okay, that's, yeah. I'm I would, sorry she made me. That's fine. That's cool. I'm we'll go to another you. one soon. Um, <laughs> um, if you, I don't know, just ask for help. Like, seriously, like, it, it's scary, but, like, the thing is, like, don't think you're alone because literally, like I just said, everyone knows someone who's a, an addict. Yeah. Everyone. Uh, I'm involved very much in a, in a 12-step group surrounding mm-hmm. just for, for heroin called HA, you know, and there's pamphlets around and there's things like that. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, get in touch with someone. Um, there's a lot of sober living houses. I mean, if you go all over any state in the country, there's going to be a sober living house, like... Mm-hmm. You know, Milwaukee has a good sober community for young people too. That's huge. The young, the group of young people. Like, if you're young, like, don't think you're too young to get sober. Yeah. Like, don't like I've heard. You know, there's someone, like my my girlfriend had a a sponsee who passed away, and she said, "Well, I don't need to get get sober. I still have enough time." And then she passed away a few months later. So, like, wow. you know, it's it's things like that. Like, if you, if you think you have a a problem, you know, you probably do. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time and your honesty. Um, I appreciate it. And hopefully um, somebody can get something out of this. And stay clean. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Whatever. Yeah, stay clean. Yeah, stay clean. Don't do drugs. Drugs are bad. Thank you for listening to the show. We hope you found it enlightening. And do us a favor. Please leave us a rating and review. It really helps others find our show. Thank you.